0: You're listening to the 12 Days of Crusademus 2021, brought to you by the
1: Longbox Crusade. Okay, now, this is our Christmas song. In case you don't know what to get somebody for Christmas. There's lots of ideas in here, so listen and don't get stuck. Okay. By the way, that's me on the organ. You start. Okay. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a beer... Of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtlenecks and a beer. Okay, good. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three French toasts, two turtlenecks, and a beer. There, there should be more there, anywhere. Eh? Where? On uh, the well, fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me four pounds of backbags, three French toasts, two turtlenecks, and a beer. In a tree. Sí, yeah. need more. Fifth day Christmas, my true love gave to me. Five golden toques, four pounds of bag bacon, three French toasts, two turtlenecks, and a beer in yeah. a tree. Okay, on the six. The golden Christmas, my true love gave to me six packs of two for five golden toques, four pounds of back bacon. Should just be the two days of Christmas. It's too hard
0: for
2: three miracles, Manning.
0: Hello, and welcome to the third day of the 12 Days of Crusademas for 2021, brought to you by the Long Box Crusade. The 12 Days of Crusademas is our gift to the podcast community to celebrate the holiday season. And we're celebrating this joyous season by sharing with you some comic book titles that may have gotten by you in the past. Each day of the 12 Days of Crusademas will bring you a hidden gem of a comic series. Brought to you either by one of our Holly Jolly co-hosts or one of our podcast celebrity guests. Until we get all the way to December 25th, Christmas Day. I'm your host for this third day of Crusade, Miss Delvin Williams, Silver Bell's Hands. And here are the three kids that didn't go to sleep even after their parents told them to. Joining me for today's unwrapping. First up, we have the founder of the Longbox Crusade. He is known as Cristatos, but we are fortunate enough to call him Pat Sampson. Pat, Merry Christmas.
3: Merry Christmas, Delvin. Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, Today is the third day of Crusademess, so I am cooking French hens. Three of them. So I hope you guys all like it, but I'm going to need a little help getting some other stuff ready for these French hens. First of all, we got to catch them. They're kind of running around here. So I need somebody on uh, catcher duty. Oh, and geez. So then,
0: these, these are free range.
3: Yeah, free range free, French mm, hens. Yeah. Gotcha. And, okay. Uh, yeah. And they, they don't speak English. So. <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> okay. Pat, mm. bad, good news, bad news. Yeah. I was going to help today. Yeah. I was finally going to help you out. Yeah. I, 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 famous. You said you would. Yeah. I've been preparing the four calling birds all day. Oh. <laughs> As tomorrow. Mm-hmm.
0: Jason,
3: are, hey, are, are,
4: you? are you helping any on this? Negative. Ah,
0: got it. Mm. Man of many words there. Sorry, Pat. Are right, the,
3: you, uh, Jared, are the calling birds answering or are you just leaving them messages?
4: Uh, <laughs> I was not ready for that level of dumbness. Uh, <clears throat> uh, they're, they're texting, which is weird. Oh, they're okay. modern, I guess. Okay. That fits in with the songs uh,
0: thing, you know, or... Uh, for texting birds, it's still right or goes with it, so that's good. All it's
3: right, it's a modern age.
0: It is. We should move on to Jason Albrecht You might know him as Weasel Skull. Jason, you Merry call Christmas. Me
5: Skull, Your Honor. Nice. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Delvin. Merry,
1: Merry Christmas, Christ- Jason.
5: Merry Christmas, fellas. Merry Christmas. De- if you want my
6: body and you think I'm sexy, come on to the lamp. Oh, what's going on, boys? Oh, it's playtime. Let's play down with my boys. Oh, Pat. Pat, you looking, you ginger devil, you. Oh, you know, I, you know I like that fire down below, Pat. Oh, yeah. You know I do. Delvin. <laughs> Yo, you never return my calls, Delvin. I'm, What's I'm going sorry.
0: On? I, I I got a new phone and, you know, you switch over the numbers and i that, that's my fault. I, I'll call you next time. Definitely. You
6: keep saying that. I won't keep coming by. I see you trying to ignore me, yard sale artist. Oh, oh you getting those bargains? You getting those <laughs> bargains, boy? You know you are. You got to make that money. <laughs> that boy hey, always
3: hustling. But M- Mary Jane, we, we do need your help. Can you talk? Mm-hmm. Can you say something in French to get the French hens over here? to come? Yeah,
6: baby. I'll just say, Good No problem, baby. No problem. Oh, thank Jay- you, MJ. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, there's one, two, three, four. There's five people here. There's always four people. Now there's five. Who's this guy? Who's this handsome devil in the corner? I like that beard. That beard's on point. What's your name, sir? Uh, Who, me? Yes, you. Yes, you. Look at me. Look at oh. me. I know this figure's stunning, but don't. Just use your words. Tell me your name.
2: My, my name is Christopher.
6: What was it before you changed it? All right. It's-
0: uh, it's, it's uh, not Merry Christmas, die. everybody. Ma- Merry Christmas, Mary Jane.
6: Rest in peace, Sean.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and boy. once again, I don't get a word in edgewise, but Merry Christmas, everybody.
0: We'll move on. Reluctantly? No, no, not reluctantly. The opposite or reluctantly, whatever that is, to Jared Albrecht. Some people call them the yard sale artist.
4: Some people call them death bro. Merry Christmas, Jerry. The no, Merry Christmas. No, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, I've uh, I've been eating the uh, the decorations off the Christmas tree. <coughs> okay. Why? And, uh, it gave. I, I. I don't know. It just seemed like a good idea <coughs> at the time, uh, but uh, it gave me this terrible like scratchy throat, and I'm just back from the doctor. <clears throat> it's called uh,
5: tonsillitis. Don't make me bring Mary Jane back. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you heard this, it's
4: called Pinsolitis.
0: Three (sighs) tumbleweeds (laughs) and a (laughs) blonde pigeon, a pear tree.
4: All right, so I did my usual bit. I looked up bad Christmas jokes before I got on, and I (laughs) figured I'd make a bit out of that one. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Jared.
0: And Merry Christmas, Jared's joke. (sighs) And now we have a guest joining us today. Uh, you may know him from the Cosmic Treadmill, and uh, Chris is on Infinite Earth. He is known as Chris Sheehan, but out for today, he is Christmas Sheehan. And Chris, welcome to the show. And also, what do you have gift wrapped under that stocking?
2: Oh, um, well, as you heard in the singing intro, today is uh, Three Miracles Manning, which means uh, we got something something kind of hard to explain to unwrap here. And it is... It's a story that, that, that you can see this in certain, uh, a lot of different times here. This came out uh, at least three times, four times maybe, but the one that I focused on was the one that came out in 1985. Today, we're doing Miracle Man number one from Eclipse Comics from 1985. I'm supposed to give you a brief history of this series, but that's difficult uh, because this is a winding and twisted tale. Which, actually, uh, this all starts not with Miracle Man, but with Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, the Shazam one. He was created by C.C. Beck and Bill Parker for Fawcett Comics back in 1939, and he was created undoubtedly in response to the popularity of National Comics' Superman, who debuted a year before. Now, this is something that National and basically the entire industry noticed. And so, from 1941 on, the two companies would battle it out in court. Well, we jump ahead about a decade to the kerfuffle that led to the establishment of the Comics Code Authority, which rendered the American comic industry being a little less healthy than it had been. And so, Fawcett would decide to throw in the towel in their legal battle with DC National in 1953. There was a settlement. There were two pieces of the settlement. The first one was Fawcett must pay National $400,000, which is almost $4 million in today's money, and also they must retire Captain Marvel, Shazam. And they did. Captain Marvel's final Golden Age appearance was in the Marvel Family number 89, which had a January 1954 cover date. While comics waned during the 1950s in the U.S., they flourished across the pond in England. Captain Marvel was a top seller for publisher Len Miller of L. Miller & Sons Limited who had the British license to reprint the stories. So sales soared, and uh, as they did, Miller received word from Fawcett that they had agreed to retire the character and the series. So in light of Fawcett pulling the plug on Captain Marvel, Len Miller would call upon an artist named Mick Anglo in his Gower Street Studios to create a Captain Marvel doppelganger, and they called him Marvel Man. He was a blond British fella named Michael Moran, but he wouldn't say Shazam, uh, instead he would say Komoda which is atomic, backwards, at least phonetically. Uh, Marvel Man proved to be just as successful as, as his predecessor, and he was embraced by the British youth, who didn't really seem to mind Captain Marvel was uh, no more. Now, in addition to aping the main man, Anglo and company would also create their own versions of the Marvel family. So Captain Marvel Jr., Freddie Freeman, he would become Young Marvel Man, also known as Dickie Dauntless. Mary Marvel was replaced, but by a boy. This was Kid Marvel Man, Johnny Bates. Captain Marvel villains Dr. Sivana and uh, Black Adam were changed to Dr. Gargunza and Young Nasty Man, which sounds very, very British. Now Marvel Man and the Marvel Man family stories would continue to be published until 1963 and be reprinted in other countries such as Italy and Brazil, right around the time that the Silver Age was in full swing. Unfortunately, or fortunately for the world, but unfortunately for this property, it was a relaxing on a British ban on American comics, which meant that Marvel Man wasn't uh, the top dog anymore. He had to compete with Superman, Batman, the Marvel Age of Comics. So uh, he kind of petered out, and Marvel Man and Young Miracle Man, Ma- Young Marvel Man both ran until issue 370 of their respective series. These were weekly series for most of the time, so that explains the high number. And this was around 1963 or so. From here, we jump ahead 22 years to the establishment of something called warrior magazine this was a comics anthology launched in 1982 from a man named des skins quality communications this magazine would run for 26 issues from march 1982 to january 1985 we got to introduce the writer of this issue alan moore now alan moore he was interviewed By a future collaborator of his, David Lloyd, for the Society of Stripped Illustrator magazine, this is in the early 80s, late 70s, he was asked if there were any properties that he would like to work on, and he recalled that he had an idea for Marvel Man. He said, if anybody revived Marvel Man, I would like to write it because I've got some great ideas as for how it would be done. And so it wouldn't be long before Deskin gave him a call. Now, here's where it gets hinky, and uh, we won't go too deep into this because we could go deep into this, but uh, Deskin explained to Alan Moore that Marvel Man's copyright belonged to L. Miller & Sons, and following their bankruptcy, the rights to Marvel Man were passed to the official receiver. This is the OR, an officer of the insolvency service for the United Kingdom, so it kind of had a like, bankruptcy court here. And uh, the rights were up in the air, and Deskin felt like he could just publish these stories. This is what put Marvel Man slash Miracle Man into dire straits for the latter part of the 20th century. And that's why we haven't seen anything from Marvel Man until Marvel Comics was able to uh, deal with the creator, Mick Anglo, and uh, get the rights about 10 years ago. And they still really haven't done a whole heck of a lot with it, but still an interesting story. And uh, it's part of the reason why I chose this issue is because... I have a reputation among those who are uh, unfortunate enough to be my friend, and uh, it's that I over-romanticize things. Marvel Man, Miracle Man is one of those things that I over-romanticize. I think it's one of the most important stories in comics. Most people don't agree, but it's okay. I first found out about Marvel Man, Miracle Man on the old Usenet BBS boards in the mid-90s. And it was a side of comics that I had no idea existed, and it totally captured my imagination. And I did everything I could to find Miracle Man to the point where I actually found. I was going to dingy and dirty old uh, used bookstores, old record stores, and I was pulling these Warrior magazines that were in tatters out of the garbage. Basically, they, this is these are boxes they were going to chuck. I saw like the V for Vendetta mask on there. And it's like that's Warrior, so I had to run over. I rescued all these things, and I was finally able to read Marvel Man slash Miracle Man. It's a twisted story. Todd McFarlane gets involved. Spawn gets involved. Angela gets involved. Me and Reggie did a series of episodes of Weird Comics History all about this subject. It's about four or five hours long. It took about two and a half years to research it. Just a lot of stuff there. So if anybody's interested in more of this story, there, there are plenty of places you can get it, but you can also get it from me. I wish you'd done some prep before you came on. I'm notorious for not doing that. I don't know
5: that much about
0: anything ever. I can't tell not, you that much about myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: I pulled out the old college notebook and started writing stuff down. That might be a
7: bad
2: <laughs> And you know, in addition to the back you know, the backstage drama of this that really tantalized me and brought me into this, the story. When you think about Alan Moore and you think about the 1980s, your, your mind will usually go to Watchmen, maybe Swamp Thing. For me, it's Miracle Man. For me, it's Marvel Man. You talk about taking apart the superhero as a trope and as a concept, and Watchmen is the watchword for that, because it was done so well there and it was done so uh, notably there. That all started here with Marvel Man. This is a real examination of a comic book character. It is a tremendous use of the very language of comics to tell a story about comics. You can see things in here. And as we talk about the issue, there's an innocence to parts of it. There's a cynicism to parts of it. These are all bits and pieces that Moore is able. It's like he's writing music almost. It's amazing the way this is done and the story itself Does't rely on the gimmick. The story itself is actually very, very good. The story, as far as Moore told it, it's an excellent beginning, middle, and end. it's it's a it's a play in in three or four acts. It's really, really well done. Neil Gaiman got the uh, got the rights or, allegedly after that, but uh, he didn't do much with it. He's still supposed to be finishing one of his arcs. And that has been in the works for a quarter century now, and hes I guess he's too busy doing things that pay him more money to do that. But, hey, what's everybody going to do? Now, with all my gushing out of the way, I'll go around the horn here. Have any of you read Miracle Man before? Jason? No, this is my first go around with
5: Miracle Man. I remember him making a splash in the 80s, but I'd never picked up a book until preparing for this episode. Very cool. How about
3: you, Pat? No, this is my first read-through for Miracle Man. I've heard it and heard the stories about this series um, and kind of where it goes down the road. Uh, You know, like you said, the different acts that happen through Mm -hmm. here. I'm really interested in reading it, so I'm glad you picked it. Very cool. How about you, Jared?
4: Uh, No. Very similar to Pat's story. I know a little bit about it, but uh, I haven't actually sat down to read it.
2: Very cool. How about the host of the
4: episode, Delvin? I'm with the gang.
0: I have not read oh, Miracle well. Man. I may have heard a little bit about the Todd McFarlane drama, mm-hmm. but drawing a blank on literally anything else about Miracle Man.
2: Very cool. Well, the, the Freedom of Information Act lets you find some uh, court documents we, fi- we found out during our research, and it was uh, that was very interesting as well. We wouldn't let this one go. We wanted to do this one a lot here. But with that out of the way... Um, Now this story, it opens with something very, very unexpected. If you pick this up and if you looked at the cover of the Eclipse comic, it opens with an actual Silver Age Marvel Man story. This is reprinted from Marvel Man Family number one in 1956. And if you're familiar with Silver Age comics, this is very boilerplate stuff here. It's Marvel Man, the Marvel Man family. They're taking care of business. It ends, everything's great. The colors are bright. It's very innocent, but it ends somewhat ominously we focus in on miracle man's the black of miracle man's eye and our next chapter opens up with a much darker more 1980s style of art and it's a total tonal shift and here we meet michael moran who seems to be talking nothing but nonsense now that night he has a dream of flying and that is uh, one of the one of the quotes that you'd that you'd hear about marvel man miracle man is the dream of flying He wakes up, he frightens his wife, who he tells that he had a migraine because he can't explain these dreams of being a colorful, costumed character. The next day, he heads to work. He's got to cover a press conference at the Lakesmere um, Atomic Power Station, and the place is attacked by would-be plutonium thieves. And there, during the attack, through a glass door, he sees the word atomic backwards. Now this triggers something in him, and he remembers his magic word. He utters Komoda and transforms into Marvel Man or Miracle Man and uh, remembers everything. He takes out the thieves and celebrates with a raucous fist pump and an I'm back. He immediately goes home to tell his wife about this, which uh, you might imagine freaks her out a little bit. He also tells her about the Miracle Man family, to which she makes some jokes about Miracle Boys, which sounds like a play that I would not go see. He then tells her uh, about how his time of as Miracle Man came to an end. Now, this is 1963, which... If we want to uh, be, you know, fake comics historians about this, we can think about that as the start of the Marvel Age of comics, where the silly Silver Age stuff kind of changed a bit. Everything became a little bit gritty, became more street level. So the Silver Age, we had crazy bad guys, you know, uh, we we have a Lex Luthor who would spend $5 million to build a robot to rob a bank of $200,000, you know, that kind of silly stuff. Here, 1963, everything changed. Bad guys became badder, and the Miracle Man family was not attacked by like a flying car or a robot. They were attacked by an atomic bomb, and that kind of, in you know, in retrospect, makes our opening chapter seem rather quaint or even quainter. He was in a coma for a bit after this, and he woke out, He woke up without any of his memories. Now, in the present day, news of the flying man gets out, and it seems to bother one man in particular, who we're about to meet. This is Johnny Bates, the former Kid Miracle Man. He calls Liz, Mike's wife, and arranges for them to all do lunch. They do so, and they talk a bit about amnesia and loss of powers, and it soon becomes clear that Johnny never lost his powers, and, uh, well, also he's quite evil. And we leave off with a very powerful and effective cliffhanger. So, with that done, what did you guys think about this? I'm very excited to hear this, since this is your first time reading Miracle Man. I don't know what... I don't know. It's funny. This is a first issue, but I don't know if it's the best first issue of a story to read, considering all the weirdness about it. So, Pat, what did you think about this issue?
3: I knew it was going to be a long one when I looked at the page count Um, (laughs) and then all the chapter breaks that were in it. So I had to read this thing uh, in a couple phases here, (laughs) but I did it. But I'm glad I did because I liked the beginning story i was like wait a minute this is like old style what's going on here and i'm glad that you said that it was a reprint
7: Mm -hmm.
3: that was one of my questions that was going to come up so then it goes into chapter two which is the new style the art and the this thing just got darker and darker and darker uh, as we went through this um and it it kept me turning the pages more on this i didn't think it was that bad of a read but there was a lot of story that meet in this here that Mm -hmm that wants me to kind of dig deeper into this story. So I'm, I'm glad I read it. Very cool. I'm really interested more about how this turns out. Who's going to win? Is he going to get rid of his old buddy here or, or what? Yeah, just a very fascinating story, I think. And I think with all the drama that surrounds this as well, made it more interesting of a read for me.
2: Oh, yeah. And it gets it gets crazy. It gets crazy as it goes along here. And the, the four chapters here were... Um, these were the four chap, four individual issues of Warrior magazine. This was serialized oh, there, so
1: okay.
2: it was a weekly, not a weekly, but uh, the anthology. Oh, the anthology okay. styles about eight pages each chapter, and uh, this is four of them. So it's a it's it's a thick read. It's a dense read. Chris Claremont might look at this and be like, "Whoa, that's a lot of words," but uh, <laughs> it, it's it's worth it. It's worth it. Uh, what what did you think, uh,
4: Jared? I didn't read it. I was kidding. That's a long going (laughs) joke here. Okay, so I will pose a question to my fellow LBC members here. I texted you guys something about what my thoughts would be on it today. Does anybody remember what I texted? Yeah, you said you'd be the boat anchor. I said, I suspect I will be the boat anchor on this one because get ready for the hottest of hot takes. Well, it's not a hot take. It's just my opinion. I've always found Alan Moore to be a little overrated. He's a bit precious. I'm just like... Okay, I like, you know, I read Watchmen. I liked it. But there was a lot of it that, okay, for example, like that whole side story about the pirate <laughs> episode. Like, why am I reading this? I still don't know. To this day, I guess I'm not cool enough to figure that out. And I was like, okay, he's giving me an Alan Moore book. I've heard about it. It's this Alan Moore seminal thing. And like I said, I told the guys, I think I'm going to be the boat anchor here. And I started reading it and I was like, okay. Oh, my hopes got up things went up because i was like this is really cool retro this feels so 50s comic it's ridiculous then you told the story and then my hope started going down because like it's a reprint i said oh i thought the whole time like he wrote it in the 50s style and he and the artist did a 50s style and i was like that's, that's what i was thinking too yeah. that's so cool and creative and then you're like it's a reprint so i was like "Ah," oh, and it went back down again but it's gonna go back up because then i started reading the story and i went Okay, yeah, this is very 80s tropish. We got terrorists stealing plutonium. <laughs> He's got. A, he remembers who he is. And about that time, we remembered who he is. I thought. I. I swear to you. I thought to myself. I thought, well, what if the other family members didn't die? And what are they up to? And are any of them pretty angry about what happened? <laughs> and that played out really well. So it picked up real big at the end for me. I was like, I mean, anytime I finish a book and I'm just sitting there like okay, I have to know what mm-hmm. happened to Dickie Dauntless, which is a great porn name, by the way. <laughs> like, like I have to know what happened. Like, what happened to him? I thought it was so cool that the, what was a Kid Miracle Man? Mm-hmm. Was, had gone evil. I kind of thought, from the very first panel they drew him, I was like, oh, he's got evil eyebrows. <laughs> I said, oh, man. And kind of the way they revealed it, how Miracle Man said I could sense that he wasn't human. And I was like, I was getting into it. And so now that I have these remaining questions and I want to see what happens next, you can't ask for much more out of a comic book than that. So it was a high to the low, to the back to the high. And this is now my favorite thing I've ever read by Alan Moore. So Fantastic. I'm glad you brought it.
2: Fantastic. Awesome. What did you think, uh, Jason?
5: Well, like Jared, when I first started reading it and I saw that uh, that fifty style, I thought, oh, this is an interesting take. And I, I was... Right along with Jared, I was like, oh, Alan Moore's really uh, going to the well here. This is this is very interesting. So I wouldn't say I was disappointed to find out it was a, a reprint, because I see what he did. He used that as a launching off point. So I, I'm not really disappointed, but <laughs> I did get through the first story. and I thought, oh, OK, that's a good read. Then I looked. I was like, there's a lot more pages. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <That's> <laughs> like, oh, our, te-
5: our texting
4: began there. Oh, it's still <laughs> going. Are we oh, reading all of this? Yay. I think Kelvin started. <laughs>
5: no, was kind of like, it wasn't me. It was fat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, we're in for a ride here. So then I kept going through it. And my first thought was the art was fantastic. I don't know where the British get those artists, but they just, <laughs> seem to never run out of talented artists for their books.
2: 2008 <laughs> has like a cloning
3: factory, I think. Somewhere in Britain. Somewhere, yeah.
5: (laughs) They got talent. (laughs) In the Isles. Yes. That's right. (laughs) So as I continued to read through it, I thought that this is quite an interesting story. I like how he tied it back to the original. I really liked his wife. I thought the wife's character was, her reactions were quite understandable. At first, Mm -hmm. she's freaking out. She thinks somebody's broken into the house, and then she finally realizes it's him. She's trying to figure out what's going on. He tells her the story. He's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. She just laughs at him, he
2: punches a hole in the floor.
5: <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, and so uh, the just the back and forth, the realism, I thought that was great. And then the final reveal, I was wondering if there was going to be a twist, but I like the explanation how Miracle Man comes to that conclusion when he's, explains he says I, I just thought about it and I thought you were a teenage kid with all that power and no guidance mm-hmm. basically what else would happen and so it really kind of shows Miracle Man is more than just you know the the strength and the power he's also quite shrewd and quite sharp oh yeah and so, so we kind of go from this airhead bubbly thing at the beginning to this gritty 80s realism at the end but it seems like a natural progression and it's, it seems a story arc that really only Alan Moore could pull off to that degree. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, awesome. The 34 pages flew by and uh, I think I, I will not be a boat anchor
2: uh, for this book. <laughs> for me. Excellent. Uh, what did you think Delvin?
0: I saw Alan Moore as the writer. And so I am not quite on Jared's, Wavelength when it comes to thoughts about Alan Moore, but I'm not far off because Watchmen was definitely revolutionary for me personally as to what someone could do with a comic book. At that time, I was reading just, you know, basically mainstream Marvel comics. And so when a buddy of mine, uh, Mike, recommended the Watchmen to me or gave me his copy of the graphic novel and I read it, I was blown away. And for that, I'll forever, I have Alan Moore to thank for that. And then like say, fast forward to 2021. And for some reason, I'm still reading Green Lantern that he's writing. And oh my goodness, it's so overcooked and weird and not good. (laughs) It's just, it's like, I mean, and I think every, every, legendary writer does that. And at this point, Alan Moore can be considered legendary. And then they just can kind of golf on this tangent. And we're not talking about Green Lantern. We're talking about Miracle Man. Miracle Man was pretty much everything that I expect from very good Alan Moore to where it started, you know, like where that 1950s reprint was so campy and Expected, but I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a decent story. I'm not gonna, I'm not not downplaying it, but it was definitely formulaic. And then it just went into more dark and twisty and complex. To now, you know, that campy kid that you saw is this megalomaniacal villain mm-hmm. at the end of it. And how in the heck is the newly reformed Miracle Man going to cope with this and beat it for issue one? That is a table setter. That was a fantastically done table setter. And the artwork and the mood just slowly shifted to that point, And oh, it wow. was very well done.
2: Yeah. The, the pacing here is is phenomenal. Uh, it's a different time, of course, because had this come out today, you know, the reveal at the end here, the cliffhanger would have happened in issue 14 of volume two. Uh, <laughs>
7: it's,
2: and here it is on, you know, issue one. I'm, I'm glad you guys liked it so much. I was worried because... I actually reviewed this for the blog not too long ago as a uh, DC near miss. The Chris is on infinite earth site. It was a DC comic site prior only. I looked for ways to bend that rule, which was a rule that I only made for myself because I'm unflinchingly rigid in my ways. And so I found a way to, to circumvent by calling it a DC near miss because while the rights were all up in the air, Des skin offered it to, um, What's her face? Who? Uh, Khan, Jeanette Khan for, at DC. And she said, why am I going to take someone named Marvel Man when we just lost Captain Marvel? You know, we, do we want to open that can of worms again? And it's funny because they have the similar origin and or, you know, they did come one did come from the other. But I was able to use that to actually discuss this one at length on the blog as a DC near miss. When I revisited that, I realized like, wow, this is a long issue. And I was uh, a little bit nervous about... Uh, recommending this because it is such a damn long issue and it's so dense and there's so much to it. It's certainly not light reading. It's not passive reading. So I'm glad you guys all enjoyed it here. How about we rate our interest in the series here? Uh, we're going to use the official Crusade Miss Candy Cane scale. I hope some of them are sugar free. Now on a scale of one to 12 candy canes, 12 being extremely interested and one being no interest at all, how many candy canes would you rate your interest in pursuing more issues of this title? We'll start with Delvin.
0: I'm at a ten. I was very intrigued, very cool by what the book has to offer, and that's good. It's like you know, you know how it is. How sometimes you know you're you're, cra- you're calling your present day, and you start thinking that those things in the past sometimes. It couldn't be as good, and but the thing about comic books, and I and I've mentioned this before on other crusadums and other shows, that people are realizing now is just like you mentioned about how this would be like, you know, issue fourteen part two. I mean, so that means that the publisher has probably gotten you, you know, three ninety five a pop, mm-hmm. right? So you're probably eighty dollars into this series at this point, like, and you got it now for like, how much was this book? A buck fifty, maybe a dollar 50 and then you could go in the past and like hey you know what i'm going to get this entire run of this long forgotten series i'm going to pay like 10 bucks for it and you get this really good rich story that's making retro so cool and relevant now a days where people still want to read comic books but they want to read these cheap stories and if you go back and you find Miracle Man and for even a halfway decent price, you absolutely pick it up. Because it was great. At least judging it from issue one, it, it was great.
2: Oh, and it only gets better from here. And actually, I sit corrected. It was 75 cents. This oh. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, now, uh, how about you, Jason? Where would you? Uh, how many candy canes would you give this one? Well, I
5: broke it down to my usual scale of humor, heart, spectacle, and art. Humor, I gave it a one. I thought his wife was was pretty comical. Other than that, you know, it was a pretty serious story. Heart, I had to give it a full three. I really got, got into and dug the relationship between the couple. I am interested in the relationship between uh, Miracle Man and his two sidekicks. I'm interested to see how he has to fight his former partner, who I'm sure he has quite a lot of nostalgic affection towards, but it has turned <laughs> completely evil. So Heart, is it a full three? Uh, spectacle, I'm going to give that one a two. There was enough action elements in there to make it interesting, and I can see where uh, we'll probably be getting some more. And Art, I'm giving it a full three. I just thought the art was stunning. The ink work, the shading, the colors, all were spot on. So the book itself, uh, for me, I'm giving it a nine, listeners of the show will know if you bring the enthusiasm i'll bump it up you more than brought the enthusiasm chris or christmas in this uh, <laughs> scenario so yeah well-earned 10 and i'm going to give you an extra one for the lesson that you brought <laughs> at the beginning normally when a guest rambles on we're like all right why well, did they <laughs> do the music but I was I, I was really interested in, in the history, and I really appreciate the in-depth dive on the character, and it awesome. was worth it. So I'm going to land on 11 candy canes for this book. Excellent, excellent. How about you, Pat?
3: I am landing at an eleven to, I'm not going to go into the big humor, heart, spectacle, at art because I do it in reverse, and I'm just going to do it. I'm giving it an 11. I was really interested, glad that you brought it really interested to find out where this story goes. Just so intrigued by it. I had a few questions mm-hmm. that I'll use instead of going through My Human Heart, Spectacle, and Art. How did this young kid, did he know that guy was Miracle Man later down the road? Uh, that would be telling. Okay. Well, I'm just, I'm like, I gotta find out. So I gotta figure that out too. And I also wanted to know, Young Nasty, when he was younger, did he have a song called When I Sit, You Sit, Be Sit? You're thinking of Freak Nasty. Oh, yeah, but well, yeah, like the younger version. Close. Yeah. Young,
0: young Nasty was Jared's nickname in college. Oh, oh, okay. Bingo.
3: Yes. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. That <laughs> so was
2: expensive. Young Nasty man was actually Dicky Dauntless's porn name,
3: oddly enough. Uh ah. yeah. Mm. Full circle.
0: He's young <laughs> and and also nasty. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, how about you, Jared? How many uh, how many candy canes? Well, I have near
4: me. I'm blessed to have one of those stores you hear about on social media called Ollies, where you can get a bunch of trade paperbacks on the cheap. Oh yes! And the last couple times I've been in there, they've had a Miracle Man hardcover. I don't know how much, it, how how many up issues it is, but it's probably about inch, inch and a half, maybe two inches thick. And they had like twelve ninety nine on it. And both those times I went in, and I was like, "Oh, Alan Moore," you know, again. <laughs> I make it sound so bad. I think he's a super talented guy. I do. It's just not my flavor. Like Delvin said, always feels a little overbaked. Like he, he's like always thinking on this other level that I'm just not getting. Maybe I'm slow, but so I saw it all those times and I was like, pass. And now that we've done this, that is going to be the first thing I look for when I go to Ollie. So this is a solid 11 candy caner for me. Oh, awesome. very, very good. Very, very glad you brought it. it. It really opened up my eyes to how stupid I've been to pass that hard cover
2: up. Well, when you when you look at the uh, the new versions here, these hardcovers here, make sure you're not looking for Alan Moore's name. They are by the original writer because he did not want his name attached to the Marvel version.
4: That's that's right. (laughs) I want to say the only reason I knew it was Alan Moore, because I think you're right. I don't think it said on there. I was at the store with the Irredeemable Shag from Fire and Water, and he's the one that was like, yeah, this is the Alan Moore book. And I, I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, that's why I, I I thought I associated it with Miracle Man. But you're right. I don't think the name is on the book. I think we yeah, talked about refused. that while we were there. Yeah. And then my d- didn't pick it up because I thought I was too cool for it, and, I, and now I regret it.
2: <laughs> uh, it. Hopefully it didn't go anyway because um, this is a heck of a series here, and uh, if I can give it one last plug, the Alan Moore run here is probably – and I mean, this isn't a hot take by any stretch of the imagination. It's the strongest that it is. Uh, when it goes to Neil Gaiman, it becomes a, well, it becomes a Neil Gaiman book. And uh, the way uh, you guys feel about Alan Moore, I kind of feel that way about Neil Gaiman. I feel like Neil Gaiman is perhaps a little too precious in a lot of ways. So I really can't, I, I own all of Sandman. I've never read it. It's just not my thing. But he did two arcs, not as great as the Alan Moore stuff. Marvel did just reprint the entire run. Uh, it might be on Marvel Unlimited. I don't know what Marvel Unlimited is, but I hear there are comics on it. Maybe it's there. And if they're there, then maybe they're free. But they're easy to find now with the new editions. The old editions are a little harder to find, especially issue 15, which is a really, really big one. So uh, that one, I believe, is issue 15 of the Marvel version too, which you could probably get for probably getting a 50 cent bin somewhere. So. They're easy to get now. There's no excuse not to get them if you can. And uh, they're wonderful. So that's about it. That will wrap up day three
0: of the 12 Days of crusade We'd love to hear from you if you're familiar with any of the comics we cover here on the show, or if you give one of our recommendations a try. Let us know what you think about it. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Our email address is contact at longboxcrusade.com. And if you're loving Crusademus and didn't get a chance to listen last year or just want to hear more Crusademus, if you scroll back far enough on our feed, you can find all of the episodes from Crusademus past 2020, 2019, 2018, or even 2017.
2: I'd like to thank you guys for inviting me to, to share the miracle of Miracle Man with you all. And I would like to thank everyone for listening as well. Be sure to come back tomorrow to find out what the next gift is from under the tree here in the festively decorated Longbox Crusade Studios. Till then, DJ Cristados play one of my favorite Christmas jams.
4: Wicked, 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 wicked! It's Christmas. It's the time of miracles. Jason, what movie? die hurt. Very good. <laughs>
7: Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light Next year all our troubles Will be out of sight Have yourself a merry little Christmas Make the Yule Next year, all our troubles will be miles away. Once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of. i oh.
3: All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics.
5: Outtakes. No
0: okay, does anyone have any questions or pressing issues before I get started?
5: I'll, I'll okay. go on mute. Muting. We all go on mute now? So Christmas Sheehan is going on mute. Sure, sure. Okay, I'm ready to go, Delvin. No. Let's do it.
0: It's not not you, Jason. You, you go on mute. Everyone except me goes on mute, and then I can start. Oh, my God, he did it. This is, this is so awesome. I'm going to go where someone runs it. <laughs> you're listening to the crew. <laughs> I heard someone come off of mute. I'm not even looking. I'm like, who did it? Who did it? <laughs> alright I was going to be good now. I,
4: just, I couldn't. I couldn't. Help myself.
5: <sighs> and then, Jared, you're going to have to, or Delvin, you're going to have to put in uh, Come over here, birds.
3: <laughs> In French.
5: <laughs> In French. Okay, got, got it. Got All it.
6: Right.
3: And you get that? You got your song there. Chris, have yourself? I on? do, yeah. Okay, he, cool. He
4: does. It's already in the script.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw that. I'm like, Chris, again, Chris is professional.
4: Is it so Me So funny?
2: Horny by Two Left <laughs> <laughs> It's the only Christmas song that can make me cry, is that one. Song. Oh, oh, Grandma got run over, by the way.
7: <laughs>
5: <laughs> Welcome to the F Shop. <laughs> <laughs> by Two Left Girl. By Two Left <laughs> <laughs>